Hi there listener and welcome to episode 81 of the Ski Podcast. We have a lot of snow related chat to get through including our first snow reports of the season. We discuss what length skis you should choose. We've got reports from the Birmingham Ski Show. We talk to one business in the Alps about how they survived Brexit and Covid and if you listen to one thing in this episode you should listen to Noel Miles talking about how Disability Snow Sport UK have helped change his life around. And listen, if this is your first time, don't forget we have over 120 episodes to catch up with. I actually checked, well, yesterday, and in the last seven days, 93 of those episodes have been listened to, including six people who caught up with episode one after my recommendation, perhaps, uh, in uh, in our last episode. So if you are enjoying the podcast, uh, don't let it be a secret. Uh, let one of your ski pals know about it too, and then share it with them. I'd like to thank Switzerland Tourism for sponsoring the podcast. I was actually uh, approached uh, this week by a company called Manscaped, who asked about sponsoring us. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. You can always Google them, but I can assure you it wouldn't be suitable for 50% of our listeners. So you can avoid listening to ads like theirs if you book your holidays to uh, Switzerland. Now, my name's Ian Martin. I'd like to start by introducing uh, my guest today. It's a big turnout. We'll start off with uh, Rachel Davis, Head of Snow Sport from Disability Snow Sport UK. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Hi, very good. Thank you. Excellent. Also from Disability Snow Sport UK, we've got Noel Miles. Hi there. Uh, and from direct from Borg Samaris in the French Alps, we've got Tanya Casey, who's General Manager from Husky. Hi, Tanya. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. And also we have our regular Al Morgan from Ski Kit Info. Hi, Al. How are you? Morning, Ian. Good. Thank you. Are you OK? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I am actually in a slightly different location from normal. Normally I'm at home in Brighton, but I'm currently sitting in my hotel room in Birmingham, where I'm about to go for the National Snow Show, uh, which is at the Birmingham NEC this weekend, when in fact Al will be joining us, because the highlight, I'm sure there are many things people will go for, Eddie the Eagle, Jenny Jones, uh, Billy Morgan, but at 11.45 on the Sunday, we've got the Ski Podcast Live, so I imagine that's probably top of people's lists. And people will be getting very excited about uh, skiing and snowboarding again but let's start off by asking my guests uh, when you last skied or snowboarded can I start with you Rachel when were you last on the snow? I was last on snow on Wednesday at the Tamworth Snowdome doing some <laughs> volunteer training so it's been about two and a half years since I had skis on so sore feet. <laughs> right okay well I mean it's out, I'm pretty sure you're gonna uh, have skied the most recently out of uh, all of us. What about you Noel? How are things progressing for you? Yeah so actually I'm um, not dissimilar to Rachel I was actually skiing on Wednesday at the, the Hemel Snow Centre which which is brilliant so yeah part of that journey which I'm sure we'll come on to later but yeah in terms of actual skiing I haven't been in the I've been in the Alps for uh, since just pre-Covid so um yeah, looking forward to getting back at this winter season. I think it's great that, um, you know, so many people, I, I'm trying to remember who it was on the last episode as well, people taking advantage of the UK snow slopes. Um, but that is really good. And it makes me think I should be getting along. Uh, Tanya, what about yourself? When were you last on the snow? Well, since I live in France, I feel like I should have been more recent. Not since March. So obviously being here, we, whilst we didn't have a season and the lifts didn't open, the mountains were there. So a lot of touring. Right. OK. And I think I'm right in saying that uh, Teen is now open kind of just up the road from you. Will you be going up there at all? Yeah, I will over the weekend. So it opened last weekend and I couldn't go. So tomorrow. OK, tomorrow. well, well uh, can, I, can I ask now, will you will you give us a snow report and let us know how, uh, how it was? I can, I can do for sure. 
Excellent. Okay, that's really good. I won't ask Al because I have asked you before, but I don't know. Maybe you've skied in the last week. Have you been in an indoor snow dome as well? Not in the last week, but yeah, Hemel was my last visit. We will all get the opportunity to ski again uh, shortly. It's looking more promising for this winter. Normally I have Katie Crow joining me uh, for the Battleface travel update, but um, I can bring us up to date with the situation. I mean, things have generally improved in terms of travel uh, since our last show a couple of weeks ago. Actually, as of today, you'll be able, the government are going to publish uh, their list for the suppliers that you can buy your official lateral flow test, which will replace the uh, day two PCR test if you're fully vaccinated coming back into the UK. Uh, today being uh, Friday the 22nd, and that will apply from Monday the 24th. It'll bring down the cost a little bit more of uh, travelling. There are still issues for children traveling as far as i can see if we're looking ahead to this winter you know the rules for um, italy and austria uh, say that if you're going to be able to go skiing and buy a lift pass you're going to need to have their covid pass and be fully vaccinated or have proof of a negative test and as children in this country are still only going to have one vaccination at the most as it stands uh, they're going to have to take a um, test during the course of the week. We'll see how that progresses. I did speak to someone from the Austrian Tourist Board this week at a, an event in London, and they said that situation is dynamic. They suggested it, you know, maybe things uh, will change, but, you know, maybe things will change in the UK because uh, the policy, I've seen people saying right now, well, one vaccination for children you know, may not be sufficient. So that's that's all fluid. But if you're fully vaccinated... Certainly the situation looks uh, more positive. And I think we've had confirmation this week as well that there won't be any need to have a COVID pass to uh, go skiing in Switzerland. And it's looking less likely in France. But you know, all of this is dynamic. We've been through this all before. This time last year, we talked about whether we're going to ski or not. And I noticed uh, that this week, Morocco have banned flights from the UK because of the uh, increased level of uh, infections in the UK. And that's that's a slightly discouraging uh, sign. It would be ideal if the number of infections in the UK went down uh, a little bit. Uh, the only the other thing I'm going to add in, in the uh, Battleface Travel Update section is the travel folder of uh, Dreams, which was referred to by Helen uh, Coffey, our guest uh, you know, in the last episode, Definitely a good idea to print out all of your passes and all of your vaccinations before travel, because a couple of weeks ago, the NHS app actually went down and it wasn't possible to uh, generate them. And some people were denied uh, boarding on flights. So print out all of your passes, make sure you have everything uh, in writing. And uh, hopefully that's not going to be uh, an issue for this season. Now, I mentioned uh, skiing and snowboarding that we have got our first snow report of the season coming up. It's only a short one, uh, but very kindly, Jenny uh, Nichols, who's actually PR for uh, Inghams, was out in Hintertooks last week and she sent us this report. Hi, I'm Jenny from Inghams and I've been lucky enough to get out to the mountains before the start of the ski season, which for us at Inghams starts in December. At the end of last month, I was in Tux in Austria and we skied a mix of slush and snow on the glacier and enjoyed sunny afternoons down the hill as well. When we left, it was actually raining um, in the valley, so hopefully we'll be seeing some snow up top. 
and uh, stop press and we've actually got two more snow reports to include in a kind of back to the future kind of sequence we've got tanya who only a couple of minutes ago if you're listening to this podcast now said she was going to be going to teen this weekend already reporting on her trip to teen that's a consequence of uh, us recording on friday and it now being monday when i'm publishing the podcast and we also have a report from uh, alex from tip top ski she's reported for us before from ladies out and she was skiing there this weekend Hi Ian, this is Tanya from Husky. Uh, I'm up at the Teen Glacier at the moment and I thought I would send you over a snow report. Um, well, so the weather is glorious up here. It's beaming sun, not a cloud in the sky. So beautifully clear and sunny and pretty warm um, in the sun, despite it being minus two degrees up here. The slopes are, are pretty icy, but there's a few centimetres of the soft stuff on top, particularly if you stick to the sides. And amazingly, there is no queues anywhere. So, well, so it's heaven. So we've got the, the piece to ourselves, me and my friends. And with regards to COVID, masks are obligatory on the Funi and the Grand Mott. But other than that, not at all. You're absolutely free and able to get a day pass without a pass on a test. So, well, it's just brilliant. And I can't wait for the winter now. Bye. Hi, this is Alex Armand from Tip Top Ski Coaching with a snow report from Le Desalp Glacier. Le Desalp Glacier is in absolutely fantastic condition. We're skiing from 3,600 metres all the way to the base of the glacier at 3,200 metres. Plenty of blue runs open for everyone and a fantastic snow park. If you want sunshine, fresh air and corduroy peace, Le Desalp is the place to be. So that is great to hear about uh, people actually on the snow uh, already this season. I saw a photo this morning of the glacier up in Caprun that looked really good, beautiful uh, weather day with an inversion going on. So anticipation is really building for the season. And the National Snow Show at the Birmingham NEC this weekend. You know, it was great to see so many keen skiers getting excited about the season. Uh, I was at the show, various sessions going on. I uh, was joined at uh, the Ski Podcast Live by uh, Mike, uh, Simon Burgess and uh, Al talking about ski touring in the UK. And I spoke to a lot of people about the winter. So let's listen to a few things about what they had to say. So great, I'm here with uh, Chemi Alcott. What do you think about the show so far then, Chemi? I mean, it's crazy that we're actually here. I think it signals the excitement and the passion. I mean, I cut the ribbon this morning and there were a thousand people waiting. Well, that's great. I heard there was a queue outside. There was a huge queue and everyone was so excited to come in. I mean, I I, I launched the the stage this morning and I was expecting to have five people there and there were 250. So I think the energy of everyone, the patience of everyone who's missed their winter and just so excited to see what's out there, all these new brands coming, new experiences, new locations and just, I mean, the excitement. I know, and it's great. You know, you can see these things in a survey where it says, oh, people are really excited about skiing. But when you see them in real life, it's so much better. I was on a uh, presentation over at that stand over there and I did a little uh, uh, Q&A with the audience and yeah. said put your hand up if you're planning to go skiing yeah. and you know, all these people plan to go and some of them plan to go more than once as well. Yeah exactly I mean people it's makeup time you know if they skied once a year for their whole life they need to ski three times this winter because they might have missed two winters exactly. and that's, that's what everyone's feeling it's not that they're just going to go back skiing they're going to make up for it. And with Martine uh, Ashar from France Montagne. Um, what do you think of the show? 
The show is really dynamic and we, were, we are so happy to be here with the French Mountain and the ASF UK discovering this uh, public so happy to come to ski destinations and uh, to, to meet yeah, and, it, and it's busy as well. I mean, I've seen a lot of people, you know, I've, I've managed to find a window where you're not talking to someone, but most of the morning so far, you've been talking to people. Yes, a lot of people come to, to rediscover the French, French mountain destinations and ski resorts, yeah. I'm with um, here at the National Snow Show with Tim Fork, CEO of Snow Sport England. It's pretty exciting having a show again, isn't it? Oh, fantastic to see people face to face, absolutely. Yeah, and what would you say uh, about the turnout today so far? So, well, we've had lots of people chatting to us on the stand, we're promoting our coaching and instructing qualifications and uh, all our clubs across England. Yeah, and you know, I'm, it's about, what, half ten in the morning. It's been open an hour and a half. I'd say it's pretty busy in here. Oh, it feels, feels good vibe, good buzz, and yeah, good number of people. Yeah, and Snow Sport England then, what, what is your kind of mission statement? What's your goal? So we, we want to get more people skiing, um, snowboarding in England and abroad, um, and inspiring new people to get into the sport. So there's lots of people out there that don't even know about skiing or snowboarding yet. We want to try and get them into the sport, get them uh, enjoying the sport that we all love. Great. Well, I mean, I think this event, great to have a consumer event in the cars again. I just came from the, st uh, the uh, slope over there, run by Tamworth Snowdome, and there's a whole bunch of kids taking lessons for the first time. So, you know, it does seem like this event is getting people into it. I'm uh, with uh, Tord Nielsen from the Iconic Agency. Okay, we're a few hours in. It's almost lunchtime now. What do you think of the show so far? I mean, it really is phenomenal. It, it's so many people, so much excitement. People just want to go skiing, right? <laughs> they do. I mean, we've just had a session here on the uh, stage about booking a holiday. And, yeah, the number of hands that went up for people thinking about going twice was yeah. really encouraging. Which is so good. And it's what the industry needs as well. You know, we want to get people going and skiing. We want new people to start skiing as well and, and just kind of share the love of the mountains and all the excitement that comes with it. Here with uh, Warren Smith from the Warren Smith Ski Academy. Um, what do you think of the show so far, Warren? It, Ian, the show is amazing. It's, it's been a, one of the busiest starts I've seen to a show in, you know, in all the skiing years. Um, there's a massive buzz. Everyone's sort of excited to be back here again. There's the consumers enjoying it, listening to talks, looking at all the new kit. But actually, all the people in the industry are meeting each other, seeing each other for the first time. I'm a little bit worried about what tonight's going to be like. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's really good, really positive. Uh, cool. It's really good to uh, see you again, Warren. That's great to hear. And I think, in my impression, is it's actually getting busier and busier through busier. the morning, I've, isn't it? I've heard a rumour that they, they, there's over 20,000 tickets sold to the show, which is so good for the snow sport industry. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, let's hope they all turn up. Right, I'm here with uh, Vanessa Fisher, who's been on the show uh, many times before. Long-time listeners might remember when she sounded a bit like a robot, but we uh, won't, won't spend too much time on that. What do you think of the uh, National Snow Show? Yeah, first impression is it's looking great. Loads of people. Apparently it was queuing this morning, which I didn't see, but um, I've just had a skirt around, and there's good atmosphere people buying things which is yeah really good. yeah i mean the retail stands are busy but and um, we're standing next to france montana here and there's loads of people there clearly you know asking for advice yeah, or talking about that come on what, what are you looking forward to uh, most here then in the show just seeing some familiar faces and actually i'm really excited to see it's busy it's like the birmingham ski show many years ago it's really good to see here is steve morgan organizer of the national snow show here at the birmingham nec how are you feeling 
Knackered, absolutely knackered. It has been such an amazing start to the inaugural National Snow Show. Yeah, I mean, you were here this morning, you showed me a photo uh, earlier. I think it was at half eight or something like that. Yeah. Uh, how many people queuing outside, do you think? We had at least 500 out there, and it was great because we opened the show with Billy, Jamie Nichols, Billy Morgan, sorry, yeah. Jamie Nichols, Shemi Alcott, Scott Penman, we're all at the front. Everyone was so stoked to come in. There was a huge cheer when we opened the doors and they just flooded in. Yeah, and you know what I find really interesting is it's, it's got busier, a lot busier since early on, and there's still people, you know, watching people coming in uh, now. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's really good. You must be very happy. Very happy and very, very tired. <laughs> well, we've got one more day to get through, but thanks a lot, Steve, for putting the show on. Well, uh, that was interesting. I just had a kind of 15-minute conversation with Saranal Fines. I didn't actually ask him for his uh, opinion of the uh, show, um, but it was just fascinating talking to him. We talked about Everest and we talked about uh, crossing the Arctic and uh, uh, going up the Eiger and doing the Tour de Mont Blanc. And, um, you know, what a fascinating uh, guy. But I, I didn't really think it was quite suitable for uh, the podcast, just a sort of personal chat. But really lovely experience. So the show really was great fun and I enjoyed speaking to so many people uh, during the course of the weekend, both people who are holiday makers coming through the door and people in the industry. And I've got a couple of other interviews uh, with Billy Morgan and uh, Jamie Barrow, both of whom have been on the show before, which I'm going to drop into a, a later episode. I was also on a few panels over the weekend, of which obviously the highlight was the Ski Podcast Live when I was joined by Simon Burgess and Mike Richards. I'd like to thank them both for uh, for joining me and helping to explain to people all about how you can ski in the UK. And you can listen to uh, previous episodes where we've uh, talked about skiing in Wales and in the Lake District. And we t- touched on Scotland and Northern Ireland as well. It was really good, really enjoyable show. And uh, in particular, I'd just like to uh, say thanks to you know all of the uh, people who came along and just mentioned uh, how much they enjoyed uh, the ski podcast uh, afterwards in particular i'd just like to uh, to put a word out for um, rob mcclellan who i met the show said some very very kind words and you know i really do appreciate it it really does validate all the work that i do so thanks very much rob right let's jump back in time again uh, back to friday and let's join my guests on the day Rachel, great to have you on the uh, show and thanks for joining us uh, this morning. I wonder if we could start off by finding out a little bit more about the work that Disability Snow Sport UK does. Uh, yes, um, Disability Snow Sport UK has been running for about 40 years and about 40 years ago someone wondered why shouldn't a wheelchair be at the top of a mountain um, and since then, you know, over those 40 years it's we really are at a point now where anybody with any disability can access snow sports. It's a really big opportunity for everybody around the UK, abroad, on holidays, and in lots of ski resorts around the around the world. Um, DSUK, we deliver lessons in the indoor centres um, on dry slopes. We also have recreational skiing groups where volunteers can come and help our skiers um, access the mountains so they can help them get onto the lifts or guide them, help them with their transferring from their sit skis, from their wheelchairs into their sit skis, sorry. We also do our holidays abroad. So our holidays, um, we travel 
with all of our equipment and we have lots of volunteer instructors that go out um, to Europe and we help people get out on the mountains. Uh, well, that, that sounds great. I mean, one of the first thoughts that crossed my mind there is um, I have seen like a, a, a sit ski in real life uh, before and um, they look really difficult to get around the place. I mean, how do you get those out of the mountains? We've got a big van that we take out with us that has all of our equipment in. But as a skier, if you're going abroad, you are allowed to take a sit ski with you on a plane as part of your equipment. It's your ski equipment. So if we're taking skis, you can take a sit ski. Um, Noel, I wonder if I could uh, turn to you. Thanks very much for joining us uh, today. I think it'd be, you know, I read, uh, you know, you sent me through some details of your uh, story and it's pretty... Um, amazing uh, and inspiring as well. I wonder if you'd like to give us a bit of background uh, as to how you got uh, involved with Disability Snow Sport UK. Yeah, sure. Um, firstly, thanks for having me on and, and look, thanks a lot. I think it's I think it's great that we can talk a bit about Disability Sport UK and, and, the, and the amazing work that they do and also their, their, their team of volunteers do. So um, I, I guess a, a little background to me. Um, so I've skied since I was about four years old. Um, I used to do quite a lot of racing around Scotland and I've done the British Championships a few times, in fact, maybe five or six times, I'm not sure. Um, and, and I've skied all over Europe as well. And I've been really fortunate and, and absolutely love that, that you know, that being up in the mountains, that that beautiful feeling of being on the snow with a, on, a, on a sunny day. I mean, it's just, it's such a lovely thing. Um, and then unfortunately about two years ago, I was on my way to work and I had a, had a motorbike accident and um that resulted in my, I uh, broke my back, um, so I've got a spinal cord injury, leaving me paralyzed from the waist um, down. Um, I also uh, I had to have my um, left leg above the knee amputated, um, uh, as well as various other sort of injuries. But what what's never left me is, is you know, the that lovely feeling being in the mountains, being at home in the mountains, getting the, the endorphins and the lovely feeling you get from skiing and, and just enjoying the whole thing. And um, I was really keen as, as something I'm very passionate about, when you, you start to piece your life back together, and and that starts, I mean, literally right back at base zero. So that's you know learning to dress again, learning to put your clothes on, uh, and then and then the next layer is you know you 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 have to try and integrate with your family again, and 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 etc. And then you grow and you grow in, in the things you try and do, and you, and you then get to the point where it's well actually you know let's go back to some of the things I really enjoy doing, and, and skiing certainly one of them, and. Um, I was really keen to get back to, you know, our family holidays. I've got, you know, I've got a young son and, and you know, I've been trying to pass on the skills of skiing to him. And, and you know, why should that stop now? Well, it shouldn't. It, I, you know, I should be able to keep participating and, and taking part of that and, and, and enjoying it as a family. And, and, you know, but where do I start? I don't, you know, I wasn't really sure where to go. How do I start? What equipment do I need? How do I, how do I manage myself? How do you get going? What, how do you plan where you go? I think, I think you've, you know, you've got 100 and, 101 questions, you know, so so before, you know, you, you get in a gondola, you walk up, you go there, you, and, and okay, well, hang on a second, what do I do, how do I get in a gondola, and I, do I take a wheelchair with me, do I take the sit skiing with me, do you speak to the lifties, to, you know, how do you get in a chairlift, you, you know, so there's lots of questions and, and, and lots of things, and also, how do you actually, how do you ski, you know, you have to, after, I go back, right back to, to, to learning how to ski, so, um, yeah, I was really grateful. I, I contacted the DSUK, and 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 um, they were great about this. These are things you you know. This is what we can do. This is where you can learn. 
I was keen to learn on snow. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go back to, to plastic. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was keen that what so get going in snow and then, and actually with a view to just going back out with my family. So look, we're really lucky. We, we, we still, we, I've got an apartment out in Austria and I love, I love going out there and I'm keen to get back there. And so I wanted to get myself a kickstart to get back um, to that so that we can very quickly as a family going back to do the things we want to do. And, and um, yeah, so I went up to I contact the um, Disability Sport UK. Um, I met with the, the sort of the, one of the instructors up there, James, who's, who's absolutely brilliant up at Hemel Hempstead at the snow centre there. No idea about what equipment I'd need, no idea about what I needed to do. Um, but it was great. I got, got up there. He very quickly, he got me on the snow. He, he sort of, um, you know, right back to basic principles. So I understand, look, look, you know, I've, I've skied all my life, so I, I understand the feeling you need, but the difference now is the feeling, the, the feeling from the snow is the same, but my receptors are different and, I, and you're having to read that information differently and then, and then adapt and, and I'm having to learn how to do that. And yeah, having somebody who can teach you how to do that. I think, I think Rachel, and, and you mentioned earlier some of the equipment. Yeah, look, it's difficult, you know, it's difficult in a wheelchair to carry the equipment and, and you need not just the instruction and the, and the help and the, and the, and the confidence to, to get going, but you also need the volunteers and the people who can help you get going, moving, get out your, your wheelchair. Um, and yeah. And, and it's a great, I've met a great bunch of people up there who, who are really brilliant at just helping you get out and, and do it again because they, because they love, they love skiing too. And they, and then they appreciate what that means to, to, to people as well. So um, yeah, I think, I think in terms of actual, skiing look it's it's giving you it's learning again it's learning a new skill it's giving you the confidence to get back out in the snow uh, and enjoy doing the things you want to do and i think i think for me more importantly is is actually doing stuff for my, for my family firstly and 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 also look my friends i've got a, i've got a big sort of network of friends who who love skiing who, who share the same passion that i do um I, and I, yeah i really hope at some point i can i can get back out in the slopes of them too and and you know, not not as well. Just not be the guy who's lagging at the back either. You know, hopefully I can, I'll be able to get you know get myself going and actually, you know, I'll I'll, I'll be I'll be able to move along as quick as anyone else. You know, why why should it be any different? It shouldn't. I, I know I can do it. I just need to get out and, and keep trying. Yeah, well, I mean that's a that's a, a great story. You know, I've got loads of questions about it from just hearing about it now. I mean, I'm guessing probably you just googled uh, dsuk and that's how you came across them is it i mean was it straightforward to organize a, a lesson with james when you met him at hemel yeah it was it was um so i was i was always a member of snow sport scotland um and and through through racing so i knew i knew sort of to have a look around their websites and what to do and through doing that i just yeah i looked up internet search found disability sport uk contacted them um spoke to the, the bookings team um up in um, glenmore lodge um, who are really decent, really great, um, and then and then yeah, just went from there, and then and then went up and met James, um, who yeah, who talks. You know, look, you you've, you know, you go right back to basics. Now, you know, this is this is the equipment. This is what you've got to do. This is you know, you, you literally, I started right back at the at, you know at the the flat on flat, and then a tiny bit of gradient, and then you and then you you know you increase and you, and you get going, and then actually you realise. Well, or I, I quickly realized that look, the feeling, the feeling's still there. It's just, as I said, the receptors and how you adjust and adapt to that are, are different, but, but it's, you know, it, it's still there. So, you know, previously, you know, be through your legs or you might move, you know, change your weight there. You feel the difference in your hip. Whereas now, 
you know, it's 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 a different feeling, but the the movement, you know, what you're trying to achieve is the, still the same thing. And specifically in relation to the Sitski, so DSUK must presumably own their own supply of Sitskis. But if you're looking to go out on your own, have you now purchased one yourself? Is that how that works? That that's that'll be my next step. Actually, is is to get that equipment. I think I think what. What has been brilliant is DSUK have got a, a selection of, of, of um, equipment that I've been able to to utilize and, and, and you know, really been great for, you know, say learning and getting that confidence to get back up and engage again in, in, in that environment. Um, yeah, the next step for me would be to purchase some equipment um, and, and get myself. Um, I can't say self-sufficient because as I'd love to be self-sufficient, but I think at the early stage anyway, I'll need my wife and, and you know, to help me. Kind of get going and, and and doing that but of, of course my goal is to be independent if and and just get out and enjoy that um enjoy the enjoy the mountains as i, as I used to yeah great where's your place in austria in flaco so it's in okay. the Skiamada yeah. area um which is yeah it's a brilliant it's a beautiful area um i absolutely love it love i love a skied all over i say I've skied over europe and the dolomites and the french alps but austria for me is is beautiful the people are are great and and uh, yeah absolutely love going out there yeah i mean it's great to be on snow at any time like you said you're at you're at hemel and rachel you've been over at tamworth recently but it doesn't you know indoor snow is better than no snow but being in the mountains is uh you know is where you really need to be and where you really want to be isn't it and i think um so that, that can i come back to you rachel can i ask uh then you know obviously there's a lot of costs involved i mean do you have any idea or do how much does a sit ski cost to to purchase um so a sit ski would be between three and a half thousand to six thousand seven thousand pounds depending on the type it is um at a ski school for example at tamworth we have to have every single piece of equipment to suit every different disability that might come yes. and want to learn to ski so we're looking at about thirty-five to forty thousand pounds worth of equipment at a centre to make sure that everybody is able to ski that wants to. Right. Okay. And you, you, you're trying to have that at each of your uh, hubs around the country, are you? Yes, and then also all the equipment that we take abroad. Um, we have skiing in Scotland as well in the in the winter at different various locations. So, yeah, it's a lot a lot of cost involved in the equipment. As it goes, back in the days when I was uh, at Natives and running Natives, and Al will probably remember this, we used to do a, a party at the ski show uh, every year, and we used to raise money for Disabilities No Sport UK from that. And over the years, we raised certainly five-figure uh, uh, sums. And I remember speaking to a few of the uh, people who were racing at the time to get uh, a sit ski that you can use at the Paralympics, for example, costs a huge amount of money, probably on the 6000 uh end of the rain how can the general public who you know uh, empathize with your situation how can they get involved in terms of maybe helping fundraising or volunteering what can they do we've always got lots of events that are going on through the year so different ways that people can join us and but specifically at the moment we are looking at doing a alpine lunch sort of kicking off the start of the season it's happening on the 15th of november um to the 13th of december um and it's about an alpine lunch with your friends and families um 
probably getting into fancy dress, prepping some, you know, doing some apres ski games and having fun and getting ready for the start of the winter. It's about trying to get the community together. Um, I don't, you know, through the pandemic, disabled people have really been affected. Um, so we want to try and really get that community spirit going, um, people playing games. We've got a live pasta making class with a famous chef, Pasta Pietro, is a master from Italy. Um, so there is a fundraising element to it where, um, you know, the proceeds will go to DSUK to help with the fundraising of the equipment, the helping to keep the lesson costs down as well. You know, it costs quite a lot for people to actually have a lesson. So we don't want people to be paying too much. We want people to be still being able to access skiing. Um, and then there's also things like we've got a skiathon happening. So in March, um, there's sort of teams of four can compete over a distance, you know, fastest team that's happening in the indoor centres in the UK. Um, so there's lots, yeah, lots of ways you can help. It's just getting in touch with sort of our fundraising team at Disability Snowsport UK. Okay, excellent. Well, I'll make sure I put uh, the links to those. Uh, into oh, that'd be the, great. Uh, into the show notes uh, so that listeners can uh, have a look at that. Um, Noel, just come back to you. You obviously raced at you know pretty high level uh, when you were younger, and you're talking about you know not just kind of keeping up with the group, but you sound like you're still going to be competitive when you get when you get on the snow. There um, is that kind of is there a frustration when you kind of become a, a I don't know if you'd say you become a beginner again. You understand how skis work, and you have all of that. Uh, is that you know journey? that drive you further no I, th I think it's i think i think it's really important that we you know as in, in any walk of life i think it's really important that we learn new skills and for me it, it, it's it's just it's learning a new skill it's 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 getting some experience it, it, it's it's gaining confidence um around you know about both within myself and, and, and your own self-esteem but also you know to, to to go in the mountains and and, and to go out and just yeah, enjoy enjoy life you know it's life is a beautiful thing and it's and, and skiing is a beautiful thing and it's great to just get out and do it um so yeah I think I think I think in terms of you know actually enjoy I enjoy the learning I enjoy learning a new skill I enjoy getting going again I don't think you know I don't think I'll be you know G, G, as I always said to James so just put me at the top shut your eyes and I'll just see at the bottom um, <laughs> and I'll be the same in the mountains I think I'll be you know, just get me up the top, and I'll and I'll I'll just you know I'm just going to enjoy myself and come down, and 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 you know you're going to get every run. I'll get better and better. Yeah, it's it's really brilliant. It's just great to get out. It's great to be out, and it's great to it's it's great to get the fresh air and the and and interact in the environment and enjoy, just enjoy. It's such a beautiful yes, yeah, beautiful sport. Great. Well, you've summed that up uh, uh, really well there. And you know, best of luck with your continued progress, and I'm sure you'll get out to uh, to Austria and uh, and have a you know have a great time this winter. And um, thanks very much, Rachel and uh, Noel and listener. Have a look in the show notes for some more details about some of the things that Rachel uh, mentioned there. Uh, I'm going to move on to uh, Tanya now, if that's uh, if that's okay. Uh, Tanya, you're you're actually out of the Alps, and you uh, mentioned that you uh, are going to be skiing. In fact, if we're lucky, uh, off air, we just discussed whether Tanya might be able to give us a snow report. So I'll have a weird jumping around in time where you might have heard a snow report already you may not have but you're right next to the uh, slopes and living out in the alps and um, we have uh, talked about husky on the podcast before but do you just want to give us a quick reminder of uh, what husky offers what the product is 
Yep, so we are a kitchen and delivery service based out of Borg Saint Maurice. So we create Savoyard dishes that we distribute throughout the French Alps during the winter. So we they come straight to your chalet apartment door. Um, if you're lucky, we'll stock the fridge and freezer for you if you're not there. Um, and it just means that you've got a really delicious, simple catering solution um, for your holiday. Yeah, well, actually, I've tried the product once uh, when we were in Les Minuire a few years ago which means that you must have been going for at least three or four years, I would have uh, thought. Uh, uh, we had uh, 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 some curry, which was delivered to us, which was very tasty. Uh, so I have tried it before. You know, obviously, it's been a difficult you know, 18 months for everybody in ski, probably a difficult couple of seasons. But uh, you're still here having, uh, having passed through uh, Brexit and uh, COVID. Um, you know, I'm wondering if Husky might be one of the companies actually quite well positioned to take advantage of the kind of shift that we have seen away from chalets because of perhaps the employment uh, difficulties, et cetera, towards self-catering accommodation. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, when Husky was set up, it was set up just before the Brexit announcement. So sort of Brexit and COVID haven't been remotely on the original plans of where things were supposed to be going. But in terms of the shift with the changes with catered chalets, I mean, some companies are still doing them, but it is proving difficult because of Brexit and working visas and the sort of traditional British season air setup. Um, so, yep, so we're available to sort of be that sort of self-catered, catered by Husky solution where everything is brought to you. So all you've got to do is just pop it in the oven, have a glass of wine, and then it's ready, um, which is brilliant. And in terms of the sort of the impact that COVID has had, Obviously, people have become more receptive to um, buying online, ordering food and drinks packages and experimenting a little bit with what businesses have developed and got to offer. Um, and it also just means that it's a solution that is, is, is COVID safe because, you, you know, you're not going, you don't have to go out to restaurants. And as you were saying earlier with the pass sanitaire situation in France, because we only we only deliver in France, so we're not across all of the Alps. Like I said, there, there might be a problem with the teenage group in terms of whether they're going to be able to be in restaurants how that pass sanitaire is going to work for for getting onto the slopes and, and going out for dinner and things like that so at least with this it takes away the stress completely yeah for sure i mean it's certainly our experience my family when we were in france in the summer pass sanitaire was very straightforward but at that time children uh didn't you know, weren't on it. it wasn't an issue i think it was only on the 30th of August or the 30th of September that children came uh, came into play yeah. and it was fairly uh, straightforward but obviously that situation is quite dynamic and I can see how some people you know might wish to perhaps cocoon themselves into their uh, accommodation uh, you know rather than uh, go out so I can see that's been a solution has has Brexit affected you at all does that affect your ability to employ people do you have many staff out there um, in terms of employment, it hasn't made a difference because we're a French salle, so everybody's on French contracts any, anyway, so that, that hasn't made an impact at all. What it has affected is we were partnering with a company, a British company called Cook Food, um, and they've been working with them since 2016, and due to Brexit, they can't export and we can't import their products. So we've lost that, but... We've got lots of other, um, we've got lots of dishes that are coming from our kitchen and we're working with local partners. So we've, we've just made the range more French and local rather than importing 
what is an excellent project, but sadly can't make it over. And how did you get through COVID then, through last season? Because uh, you know, I know there was uh, some a few you know a few people. I think thirty percent of uh, French resorts are generally reporting that numbers were down to about thirty percent of before. But I imagine that you're more you know servicing the British market. Did you just put the business you know on hold for a year, or how did you get through it? We so we stayed open, but we stayed open with a skeleton team. Um, and so we had myself some of the kitchen staff and we sort of produce for demand and we were just completely reactive. Um, so there weren't many people about and the groups that were out sort of were very self-sufficient anyway. So yeah, we, we just sort of muddled through on a, on a reactive basis and got everything ready for this year. We did lots of recipe planning and menu tasting and used all of that time productively to be absolutely ready to go for 1st of December. Yeah, for the first of December, that's when it kicks off uh, again. And so, so what would you? What's your favourite on the menu that's going to be on offer for this winter? Then, what would you? What would you pick if you were a customer choosing something? Well, so my my favourite is um is actually a rabbit dish, which I know isn't necessarily everyone's <laughs> cup of tea, yeah. but um yeah, it's a sort of creamy mustard uh, rabbit dish, which is our head chef Rob has made and it's absolutely delicious um but our tartiflette is a is a winner and you know you've got you've got to have a tartiflette when you go on a ski holiday right and all of the products are made in Borg Samaris you've got some big yep. kitchens there is that right I think yep yep we do we've got a big kitchen um and so all the products come out of that rabbit well that will be interesting i think you know the the children of a certain age probably i, I might not even mention it to them that that's on the lapper that no, could mean anything uh, no idea about that one probably probably curry in french or something like that i mean it is a different product i can tell you in our household hello fresh and uh which you're probably familiar with something we'd never tried at all before uh lockdown and we did it because uh, you know, you weren't able to go out or you weren't meant to go out uh, so much. And do you think people are more amenable to food delivery and, and booking food online, you know, as a consequence of all the stuff that we've had to go through in the last 18 months? Yes, I think definitely. And I think they've got more tech savvy as well um, in terms of expecting for there to be, a, you know, a variety of options. And so, I mean, in resorts, and we'll have to see what they do this winter, but in resorts, you know, restaurants have become quite versatile with also looking at delivery solutions for their dishes. And I d we'll have to see whether they continue that this winter because it might just be that they're open and rammed and they don't have um, they don't have the facilities to sort of do both. But, yeah, I, th I think people have got much more open minded with the quality that you can get through you know, a sort of takeaway or delivery solution. And just to, just to clarify, I mean, I said HelloFresh, that's where they send you all the ingredients and, mm. uh, and a recipe and you do it yourself. The the Husky product, they're all ready-made prepared meals that you would then warm up. Yeah, they're all ready-made, uh, yeah, all ready -made, oven ready. Um, so you can yeah. just sit in your fridge or your freezer, popped in the oven, and then you go from there. And then additionally, there's sort of wine, beer that people can choose if people don't want to face a supermarket at all. <laughs> right. Offer, offer a grocery solution. Okay, excellent. Well, you know, I wish you all the best and well done, you know, for, you know, getting through this really uh, difficult period. What what kind of resorts uh, are covered then? So we're all across the Tarantays. So everywhere, every resort in the Tarantays. And then in the north, sort of Morzine, um, Chatel, all of the Port de Soleil area, Chamonix, Megève. Um, and then down in the south, Alpe d'Huez, Ozamazan and Le Desalpes. Right, quite a logistical exercise. How many, how many, you know, vans have you got uh, driving around uh, the oh, place, or how will oh, you have? Oh, yeah, well, no, we've um, got a fine art now, so we managed to do it with just three. 
we've been doing right. we're three bands on a very tight schedule i imagine a very detailed uh, spreadsheet or some kind of a uh, program that works out those uh, routes to make them as efficient uh, as possible yeah absolutely <laughs> cool well all the best for this uh, this winter and uh, yeah listen i'll put a link in the uh, in the show notes so you can track them down thanks very much thank Tanya. you very much um, Al, I'm going to turn to you now, uh, if that's okay. You know, over the last uh, few episodes, we've talked about all sorts of things, talked about, you know, different skis from Dina Star coming in and talked about, you know, how you go about choosing your uh, your ski boots. And a question that I'm often asked is, what length skis uh, should I get? And I can see Al smiling at that kind of uh, question, but uh, go on then, uh, Al. Simple, simple question. What's the uh, simple answer? Yeah, simple question. I mean, we get as with all these things, we can go into it in a massive amount of detail. People traditionally have looked at the height of the ski, and that's the old way, especially with old straight-sided pencil skis. But actually, there's a lot more involved with a ski. And the most basic kind of concept, we're looking at how much grip a ski can give you on firm snow, or how much flotation you get off-piste. And you go, well, hold on, if I get a longer ski, I've got more edge, I'll get better grip. And if I'm going off-piste, I'll get more float. So why don't I just ski a long ski? But a longer ski is more difficult to handle. It's got a bigger turn shape. They only react well when they're going really fast. So this is where you start to bring in other factors. And rather than just looking at height, it, 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 it's a very good reference. It's really easy in a shop to put a ski up against you and look at the height. So that's why it's a useful reference. But that's not necessarily making the edge of the ski trying to try to lose grip on firm snow. That's your weight and your skiing aggression and the speed that you're going at. And then your height has no factor on the ski sinking when you're in powder. So that, again, that's your weight. So weight is arguably more, more relevant than, than your height is. So but yeah, ski construction, the type of skiing that you are doing, all of these things, personal preference is really, really key here as well. Some people might like a really long ski. Some people might like a really short ski. So in, its, in the simplest format, beginners, lower ability level skiers will benefit from a shorter ski. So if we use the old style way of looking at height, then you'd be looking down towards your mouth, your chin areas, the length of the ski. But bear in mind, if you are a heavier person, you might want a longer ski because you're going to overflex it and it's going to lose grip. And if you're really, really light, then you can get away with a shorter length ski. So that's a, and, and those skis for beginners are generally a softer construction. And then as we get to more expert skiers, the skis are stiffer. They're generally carrying more speed. And then it comes down to, okay, well, what kind of skiing are you going to be doing? Are you just going to be on piste? Do you want really tight turns? Are you going to be skiing at slower speed? Well, then you would go a short ski. If we're going to use that style of height, then you would definitely be looking down towards your kind of chin area on that. If you look at, you know, World Cup competitions, slalom skis, then you're talking 155, 165 centimetres, which for most people would feel really, really short. These are the most powerful skiers in the world, and they're on these skis. So that length will support you, and not that, a problem. Sorry, to put that into context, you're talking about people who are like six foot tall, so 182 centimetres skiing on skis that are 155 to 160. Is that what you just said? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. You know, these skis have hu huge amounts of power through their legs. They're going to put more energy into the ski than we could ever dream of, and they're skiing on things that are 160, 165. So don't worry about a short ski is much easier to handle as well. You know, back back in the day, I remember, you know, when, when I was doing my seasons in the mid-90s, there was almost a kudos in skiing on a on a mm -hmm. long ski. I think, you know, 
195, 198, uh, you know, was was not uncommon at that time. And I think downhill skiers were, you know, on like two, two. 20 to 30 something like that I'm not really too sure do downhill skiers still use really long skis now yeah so when you're looking at things like super g and, and downhill then exactly you're looking over two meters still because there are length restrictions in fis racing so the national ski federation there are very strict regulations around many many things one of them being the length of the ski and the turn shape that it can make for each discipline and each and gender and age as well so so so, so that comes in vast majority of skiers for recreational skiers if you're skiing on piece if you ski really really fast you like a longer turn shape and you're heavy powerful skier then you would look at a longer length so you, you you know if so for example i am 178 centimeters long and if I'm doing that kind of skiing, then I may look at a ski that's between 175 and 190. Normally, 180, 185 would be pretty key. Um, I weigh 85 kilos. So, so that kind of gives you a benchmark. If I weighed 60 kilos, then I would be looking at something around 170 for that type of skiing. So it can change length quite a lot purely on the weight. Yeah, and do you um, do you go for the short, fast turns sometimes? I mean, obviously you get to try way more skis than the uh, the normal uh, skier does. But are you testing some of those short slalom skis as well? Yeah, so I will. Be, I'll test men's product and women's product as well. And what's always surprised me is how I think a lot of people think, oh, well, women's ski, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to give up. They're amazing. Absolutely amazing. Some of my favorite skis of all time have been women's specific skis designed with a construction that's going to give a better flex pattern for that physiology and body mass and center of gravity. Um, and some of these are 140, 142 centimeters long. And they're great fun. I don't expect to be skiing them at Mach 10. But they can be brilliant. So I think a lot of people get nervous of, of going shorter. Don't be too nervous because it makes it yeah. easier. Right. We're going to have to come back to that question because I'm really interested about that, about the different design of uh, women's skis. But I think we'll save that for a uh, for uh, another episode. OK, I mean, that's really good. That that kind of, you know, helped me. I tend to just go in the hire shop and uh, and, you know, because I'm normally only around for a couple of days uh, uh, anyway and uh, and just hope that they give me something that's decent. So I'll, I'll maybe think about it a bit more this time around. Um, OK, thanks very much, uh, Al. Just before we finish off, I'm going to drop in one more interview I did at the uh, Birmingham show where I was speaking to Neil McCoy, the editor of Racer Ready magazine. And he, I was just having a quick chat with him about Alex Tilly, who was competing in Solden in the Giant Slalom at the weekend and got scored her best ever uh, result of 13th. Now, we've just seen on your laptop, because you've been following, well, I think you were watching the event live, that Alex Tilly uh, today, did was it 13th that she came? 13th, yeah. That was the opening World Cup of this Olympic season, um, held out in Solden. And, yeah, it's the start of an exciting winter that I think that the... The race itself was a fantastic advert for winter sport. That's her best result in a giant slalom race. Yes, joint best result. Uh, she came 13th in Courchevel a couple of years ago as well. But uh, Solden is always a great start to the season. And to put a 13th place down 
can't get and that's great and these things are also really important because it helps with your seedings and means that you get an earlier run in subsequent races is, is that right yes she started 40th today because she's dropped out of the elite top 30 yeah on what's known as the world cup start list yeah that's your ranking that's taken over the last past year of races now, as soon as you drop out of that, you then go on to your, your fifth seed points. So, although there are races that started just before her, because they have got better seed points from her, she might have been higher up the World Cup start list. Before. Do you think uh, she has the potential to, to crack into the top ten uh, this winter? Definitely, yes. I mean, I think I, I spoke to her on Thursday, and we had a long chat with her, and I ended up the interview saying... What are the goals for the season? And it's a, a perennial question. We ask it every year. And every year she says it's the, to get to the World Cup finals. That's when the top 25 go to, to a one-off race in one resort. Yeah, which actually I think, is, is that going to be in Meribel? Meribel Courchevel yes. this year, yeah. Yes. Now, she also added to that to do a personal best in every race. She says that with a big grin because it's, it's the same question year on year. Now, she, she mentioned in this interview that she wants to be mixing it with the best a top 15 is certainly something that is a fantastic result absolutely immense for British ski racing but also to me it's not a huge surprise she's always had it in there she said that the results on paper last year weren't great but to then now come down and put 13th Awesome. Excellent. And and she's achieved her initial goal of getting a, a, a PB in every Absolutely. race so far. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. That's great, Neil. Thanks very much for that. And we'll, we'll have to get your insight on racing again in a later podcast. Perfect. We're just going to uh, finish off uh, uh, now with um, got a, a review from uh, Keith Webb. I think it was an email he sent me. Uh, and he said, uh, I really enjoy the show. And um, I listened to old episodes for 10 hours one day. <laughs> he says, I know it's pretty intense, but I was driving from Chatel to Zelamze and I needed to stay awake. So I find that incredibly encouraging because one, uh, the podcast kept him awake. And secondly, it was interesting enough to listen to for 10 hours in a row. So, you know, that that's really validating, Keith. Thanks very much. Thanks so much uh, uh, for that. Um, and uh, don't forget, you can always uh, buy me a coffee if you're enjoying the show at uh, buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ski podcast. Uh, Luke Pierce, thanks very much for the uh, coffee you bought me. And I think we might be bumping into each other at the Birmingham show uh, as well. And, uh, you know, I do uh, appreciate reading all feedback about the show. So just drop me an email at the ski podcast uh, at gmail.com. Uh, and if you want to give us a review on Apple iTunes, uh, or Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, that's great as well. I also have a few stickers left. So uh, if you'd like some for your skis, board, helmet or phone, uh, again, send me an email or, or contact uh, us via social uh, with your postal address. So uh, for now, uh, I'd like to thank Switzerland Tourism again for uh, sponsoring the show and thank my uh, guest today, Alan uh, from Ski Kit and Play. Thanks very much. Thank you, Ian. No worries. Tanya uh, from Husky in Borg-Semarice. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been great. Rachel from uh, Disability Snow Sport UK. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Ian. Well, um, DSUK's at the ski show too, so we'll see you oh, there. Excellent. And and Noel, um, you know, such an inspiring story. Uh, thanks for joining us today and sharing that. Oh, absolute pleasure. And thanks to everybody at DSUK. Couldn't be more grateful. Um, yeah, really brilliant work. That's great. So uh, finally, listener, thank you for sharing your time with us. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.